0: You are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogues. Each week, we design new decks for tournament play, and then we put our creations to the test so we can share our findings on the air what worked, what didn't, and what can be improved for, for the following weeks. On today's episode, more is joined by SEC Baltimore champion Cameron Lance as they discuss the tournament she won alongside the state of modern and pioneer with the last cars from Dominaria United. Will the new spoilers leap to the hype? Let's hope you enjoy the show and have a nice night. And welcome to Faithless Brewing. Tonight I am joined by one of our beautiful, beautiful members of our Patreon, Cameron, who just got a great result in an RCQ we talked about a few days ago. She's going to join us, we're going to talk about the state of Modern, slightly about the state of Vanir, deck choices and the specifics of her tournament, and a little bit about the last spoilers from Dominaria we were missing. A few beautiful cards missed at our last chat on Friday, but I'm glad to say we had most of them. So Cameron, how are you doing? I'm doing very well tonight, mean I'm excited to be talking to you. I'm super glad, yeah. The other day I was realized when I was talking to you, I don't know the voices of the majority of the patrons, so it's like, it's a bit shocking knowing that you just hear to me, I don't, know, I don't know how you people sound. So it's like, <laughs> it's unexpected. Makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a very uh, one, one-sided one conversation.
0: <laughs> when I'm listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's something that just happens, but it will happen. But we're super glad to have you here. Sadly, Dan has a lot of on his bowl. Demon and Davids have life of their own that they have to take into account, so the youngest and most free of us was had to take the torch for this one. And I'm glad super glad to have you here. Man, those are some big shoes to fill. I don't I don't know about this. Those are some good casts. You 100% got this. Besides, you're a better player than all of us, don't worry about that, so... Oh, man. You only have to fill in the podcast shoes. The player ones are quite easy. So, tell tell us a bit uh, bit about you, Cameron, about your magic career, about you, whatever you want to tell
1: us. Sure, yeah. So, um, I started playing Magic. My first event um, was a Khans of Tarkir pre-release, and I was quickly just entrenched. It became my favorite thing to do standard wasn't necessarily my favorite thing. Um I was playing because like that was definitely the competitive thing to be doing at the time, but I modern was pretty new. Treasure Cruise had just been banned. I think the Birthing Pod was banned at the same time and I got in. I just I loved the Delve mechanic on Tasiger and that was like I think I was playing Tassiger in like Grixis Twin before a lot of people were doing that. And that was like where I learned competition and I just I just haven't been able to get away ever since.
0: You got sucked in immediately? Exactly. So what was your favorite deck? Like, if you had to say, this is the deck that better defined me, like, this is, this is what I love.
1: So, for a really long time, that was just value mid-range decks. I just played Jund, like, after, uh, like, around the time of Fatal Pushes printing, um, and, like, after Twin was banned. Okay, John was my deck, and I was really into yeah, just like getting the most out of my cards. But the more time goes on, the more uh, I'm attacking and uh, just just trying to beat my opponent down. I love humans and Pioneer, and just uh, in general, I was really into that deck. Like when humans came to, it's like yeah, like big point in Modern and um, mid range into into Aggro decks, probably. All right,
0: perfect. So you would say like regular old boomer shan would be like down the area of things you love.
1: Yeah, I I was actually playing the deck before we before we ever got Bloodbraid elf. So I <laughs> okay, uh so <laughs> at one point could recite I had a I had a four in hunt master of the fells and I could recite all of the text on all of the hunt master of the fells to my opponent.
0: <laughs> That's just part of you, dude. I, I like. I remember that experience with Niv. You know how tough was explaining the original Niv trigger on paper. <laughs> People refused to understand the original Niv trigger. It's mm, a fun one, though. It was a beautiful card when it's when it's a play. So, before we get straight into your last results, let's just get a few tiny seconds into one of the la- last Dominaria spoiler cards that got leaked on during the past few days. Every set they just spoil cards individually till they they get to the end and they spoil a bunch of commons and uncommons that got lost in the sauce. And as David said last time, once in a lifetime they get stuff like that's right, shaman with the bulk. So I hope we get to see something beautiful in here and not just random bulk. I so think I, I went a good, ahead. Good ones. Yeah, exactly. So I went ahead and like pushed the good ones and tried to brought them here so we could discuss them slightly if you don't mind. Alright, so first we have the Cruelty of Geeks, a 5 man enchantment saga with one of the beautiful mechanics they added in this set, which is read ahead, which I think is actually huge in this specific card. The first step is a target opponent rebuilds their hand, you discard a creature or planeswalker, second step is exactly Grim Tutor. You tutor a card, you lose three life, you put it into your hand. And third step is reanimation. Put a creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield. What do you think about this? think you will see some play?
1: I think so. We're definitely um, starving for some good reanimation cards, just like in Pioneer in general. I think there's some good targets to reanimate, good ways to fill your graveyard, and just like Blood for Bones is the only um, good reanimation spell at this point, And it's got some hoops to jump through. Um, so seeing one, even though it's five mana, it's got all of this extra stuff to do on it, like you said, and it's just about whether whether the home's there.
0: Yeah, I, I love... In this specific card, Read Ahead is amazing because the first step is bound to be terrible a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So being able to just skip down, write that step, get into the second one, get a doodle, or when tempo is really important, it's just 5 mana reanimate is what makes me at least interested in Pioneer, of course. Like, this is I don't think this is even a competition for Modern unless you're thinking about Cabal Coffers. I agree, absolutely. Below that, we have... Fluster Infusion, which is literally just Involate, which was a card Daniel Shriver loved, the plus two, minus two, and inst- um, Aura in monore transforming to an instant. And that's just there because Dan loved the card and they made an instant, so let's hope it sees some play eventually.
1: I, I am pretty excited about this card. I'm really? not going to lie. Yeah, so... Why is that? So, when you need it to be a shock and remove a creature, it's a shock. Then it just also... And maybe I'm just a little high on Dreadhorde Arcanist synergies, but... (laughs) Okay, I can see where this is going. Yeah, like, it it really fills that role so well. You really want extra one-mana removal spells for your Dreadhorde Arcanist deck, and then it also just allows you to, once you've taken control of the battlefield and you're attacking with your Dreadhorde Arcanist, you target it and flashback your K command and really go off
0: of your value then, so... Yeah, okay, I I didn't consider it in that aspect, and it's true, it's pretty big there. And if you can ever get, like, this sort of Arcanist hit for 5 and destroy an opponent's creature with even the same spell, or, well, if you can get to cast a 3-drop, it's amazing, mm-hmm. I like it, okay. okay I, I, I can see that synergy going. Who doesn't let red Dreadhought Arcanist? Exactly. Ban in Legacy. <laughs> Ban in Legacy, Un- unplayable in Modern, it's just... Something beautiful to see. Hey, hey, hey,
1: my semi finals opponent played a uh, Dread
0: Arcanist against me and it quickly got searing blazed. So. That's exactly why he lost in the semi-finals. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he played a playable choose-drop.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, poor Dreadhore. <laughs> Next to that we have the Floriferous Vine Wall, which is a card that I added only because it interests me. It's a 2 mana plant wall, 1 and a green for an 0-2 defender. When it enters the battlefield, look at top 6, and you may reveal a land and put it into your hand. I just find it softly interesting how deep this digs for Lotus Field. Mm. Nothing else. Or index that really need a specific land, and Lotus Field is the first thing that popped to mind. Like, there's not many effects that look like that deep. Like, this is deeper than ancient stirrings.
1: Huh. I did not look at it like that. I I was really gonna say that this is definitely an Emmy card, a creature that ETBs gets something.
0: We can blink oh, it yeah. later. It's definitely an Emmy card, but I cannot justify it in modern because it doesn't block Ragavan. So if this was a No 3, I would start with a long rant about <laughs> justification about the, how this is a two-for-one that blocks Ragavan and this is like better Wall of Omens, and I will go with a bold claim such as saying this is the future of Wall of Walsoms. Sadly it's a No 2 and it has to Holy hit without delirium and Ragavan, so I can't defend it. <laughs> so, this is more likely to see playing something like Amulet or Lotus Blue or Lotus Field than it is on like an Emi deck. Because of yeah. that missing points of toughness. Anything that blocks Ragavan, like Arboreal Racer immediately gets a Pump up by Book. But looking at 6 for a specific land, I know some of the beautiful Am- Amulet Titan players we have floating around on Twitter, like Fran or Pan. It's gonna play this in Amulet and just meme with this and Ephemerate someday. I can see it happening. I like it. I like it below that, we have a card that I actually think will see non-meme play. And because if it doesn't see it, I'm gonna make it see it. So, Shadow Prophecy. Two and a black for an instant with Domain. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is a number of basic land types. Put two of them into your hand, rest in the graveyard, lose two life. What do you think about this? I, I agree that I'm excited. It's got instant in the
1: pipeline, and we're getting very close to just like dig through time numbers. It's it's one mana off a fully delved dig-through time, and you're only looking two less cards deep if you've jumped through the domain hoop,
0: so I think this card looks great. So getting Domain 4 is something we know in modern is really easy. Domain 5 tends to be slightly more sketchy on the first three turns of the game, but Domain 4, we all know by turn 3, is like a given. Mm -hmm. So this is actually three mana memory deluge at Mm -hmm. at that point, which is shockingly good. And you can even pump it up more. And it, they also go to the graveyard, which is an upgrade over the luge. Oh my gosh. It's straight upgrades! Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think my brain even read that. Like, the, I'm so used <laughs> to these cards just being randomized and put to the bottom, like... Wow, that's, that's really cool that I can yeah, put extra f- graveyard synergies in my deck.
0: After Factor of Fiction, they just went down the route of making it everything just go to the bottom. But I don't know, like, I'm just memeing around with the decklist. Like, I'm going to play a League right after we finish, and I forget a 4 when I'm playing it in the challenge tomorrow, which is like an Yorion Esper Reanimator. Where well, this is just amazing, because I have Memory Deluge in that deck, and this is, like, so much freaking better. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a common for some reason, which is interesting, <laughs> because this is not common power level. Agreed. Below that, we have a card with a beautiful art, which is Shore Up, which reminds me of the Crab Rave. One mana blue instant, target creature gets plus one, plus one, hexproof, and it untaps.
1: That's a lot of text. That's for sure. It's got some competition in its spot. I'm not sure... I've seen a lot of mono-blue spirits be played, and Slip Out the Back has been extremely impressive since, uh, like, Streets of New Capenna.
0: Sadly for this card, I think you cannot beat Slip Out the Back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Slip
0: Out the Back is too good, it keeps your enchantments where they are. It also has, like, these weird synergies with Croxa. And such were just bastard mm-hmm. so i don't see them sitting in a card. i just think this card is cured and something at least worth having into consideration when you get merfolk out of out of blue
1: agreed and um it'll stay in standard when uh the slip out the back rotates
0: yeah and this also works quite well in standard with the new with the new Curse obsession for legendaries
1: mm, agreed
0: so they likely go in the soy mono blue tempo reminiscing of the days mm-hmm. Of a f- when Otto uh, Bouchette won with exactly that deck against Raid And finally, the last card, which I think is not good, but someone will try to convince me otherwise, because <laughs> someone will, surely, I know it. If it's not Anthony, it's going to be someone in the Discord, and if it's not someone in the Discord, it's going to be any streamer friend of mine trying to play Card the Lion. Mm. So we have Ursa Assembles the Titans. 5 mana saga, 3 and double white with Rida hair. First step, Scry 4, then reveal the top card. If a planeswalker is revealed, put it into your hand. So it's scribe 4 and reveal the top card of your library. So you get to look up to 5 cards for a planeswalker. So I did the numbers to have an 85% success chance of hitting, which is not that high, you need like 20 planeswalkers, so unless it's a card deck that's out of the way, because that's the only deck that can afford 20 planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Second step, you may put a planeswalker card with mana value six or less from your hand onto the battlefield. So this is where it might be slightly interesting as a way to ramp out a 6-mana walker, like allowing you to play like an Elspeth, the real Elspeth, the 6-mana Elspeth, best Mm. Elspeth, or 6-mana Chandra immediately to play for one cheaper mana. And I think what needs to be the best part about this card in in order to be playable is you have to have enough Flameswalkers to justify the third step. You may activate loyalty abilities of Flameswalker you control twice rather than once. So, you really need your planeswalkers to be a maze or have multiple planeswalkers in order for this card to be worth 5 mana mm-hmm. or the piece of cardboard it's written on
1: yeah, so my mind immediately goes to something like a fires of dimension deck okay, where I just want to not only does the second chapter like cheat, you get to you know essentially cast three spells and you on yes. your like fire with your fires in play, um and then so have your mana. Um, but just need to really be playing into the whole, I'm the bigger deck with all the value. Maybe you're even a Urian deck. Um, and that also helps you get like your numbers of Planeswalkers a little bit closer, but okay, yeah, that's, that's where my mind goes, but I agree that I think it's tough for five mana enchantment that doesn't immediately impact the board to see lots of play. However... The read-ahead mechanic is, like, if you've already found the, you know, your big six-mana walker that you want to put in
0: play, you're just kind of accelerating into turn. Yeah, exactly. So this card reminds me sort of, like, in how it works to the two-mana blue saga. The one Mm -hmm. where you get to play a free spell when you put into play, then you mill four, and then you get a a Snapcaster effect. In that it works in a similar way. If you start with the step two, they both pay for themselves in in that effect, However, you're not getting any value out of that unless you consider the third step a card on its own. Mm-hmm. A card of its own volition. Because that's the only way the card has to have value, right? Because I can play this and put a 5 draw up into play, so it was free in regarding to the number of mana. But I lost a card unless the third step is worth an actual card. With something like Teferi, it is actually worth a card, so that's interesting.
1: Right, right, yeah. There... It, it's, it just cycles itself. Mm-hmm. And there are a decent amount of Planeswalker activations that are more or less draw cards, so...
0: Yeah, I think if you, like, just imagine just plusing a Teferi plus minusing a Wandering Emperor, that's a lot more than worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. For
0: sure. So, yeah, interesting card. I'm not sure it will see play, but at least it interests me. And with that being said, I think that's what all the cards were missing that are interesting from Dominaria, besides some Bulk Chaff. So, please, Cameron, tell us about your tournament.
1: Where do I start? It was. We're we're a week out at this point, and it's still settling in a little bit. Winning Hmm. a a, a whole two-day event with, you know, two friends that I consider very close. Um, It was crazy. But I guess I'll just kind of go through and, like, talk about each seat a little bit. We were leading up to the tournament. Um, My friend Adam and I, we knew that we were kind of sharing the Pioneer and Modern seats, um, and that our friend Chase was going to be playing Legacy, he really enjoys figuring that format out and has had some great success on our team in the past, so we left him with that. And I kind of wrote about it in my article a little bit, if you check that out on alcentralgames.com, but I was definitely at like a rough spot with my RCQ season and feeling a little lost with Pioneer. They're just tough tournaments around my area. there's so many good players, and you have to like actually win one of them to get your qualification so
0: second place isn't enough
1: exactly right and and there's so many people I think that still like make all their good gameplay decisions and they miss top eight or or you know like you said, second place isn't enough. there's so many other places under that too so <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was getting tough, so I kinda um. Motivate a a swap with my friend Adam, who looks like he's at a similar place in Modern, and we go from there. Um, At that point, it's pretty clear that we want to be doing something aggressive in pretty much all of our formats, just kind of not giving our opponents time. We've also felt that this was strategic with, like, in a team setting, instead of securing, like, two out of three wins, you actually need to secure, like, four out of nine wins. Across your three matches, um,
0: which is like drastically different math. What do you mean? In what regard? Sorry, I lost. I lost you in that math.
1: So, so yeah. So, if I'm playing a solo tournament and I I queue up with burn, yeah, I need to every time I sit down against my opponent, I need to win two of my three matches. Yes. Um, to to get a win, theoretically, I want to win all of my matches or have the best chance of doing so. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In a team tournament, when I sit down with my two teammates, we need to win two of our three matches. Yep. So to win two of our three matches, technically, you only need to win four total games. There's, you know, other configurations of that, of course. But, you know, you can have your Pioneer player win two games and your Modern player win two games. That's a match win. Your Pioneer player and your Legacy player,
0: that's a match win. Et yeah, et cetera, you can mathematically go 4-4 and pull ahead.
1: Right, in, exactly. Exactly. Yes. So, just kind of like having these more linear strategies that just will be putting our opponents in spots to have specific sets of interaction, um, like at multiple points in the game, I think benefited us a lot. This leads my teammate Adam to kind of, he he was playing like a black-red cat oven deck. We end okay. up on humans. Um, I really like the monoid humans deck right now, but he wanted to be casting Collected Company and... He was on the five-color humans
0: rather than the good one. <laughs>
1: I think they're all reasonable. And he did play Bant. Um, We read a Max McVitie article that he wrote for R.I.W. Hobbies. Um, I just really have always respected what Max has had to say about the deck. And we went from there, kind of made sure we liked the sideboard plan and changed some lands and went. And Adam played so well, I was really impressed with. He probably got about four to six hours of gameplay with the deck and then just some (laughs) other random human strategies on Arena. And... He was Press wonderful region. all weekend, yeah, absolutely, and Extraction Specialist was amazing against all of our opponents that were trying to interact in that format, just... It's a good two for why it's a the Absolutely. So, well, who was Middle seat? So, that was me, I was playing Modern, Um, I played Burn, Um, and following the same logic, I had the choice between Burn and Murktide, I really don't like my four-color <laughs> matchup when I'm playing the Murktide deck, it's... No, not at all, it's, right. not, it's
0: not ever favored. Mm-hmm.
1: So, really didn't want to be doing that. Um, I think that's why, like, my semi-finals opponent had something like Dreadhorde Arcanist in their deck, so that they could be hoping to be competitive (laughs) in those longer games. Okay. Like I said, that ended up getting Searing Blazed, Um, but uh, the burn was great, my 4-color matchup was a little bit dicier than I wanted it to be, I ended up 3-4 and four on the weekend against 4-color, but I only lost one non-4-color match, which was to a 60-card Valakut Omnath deck, that just seemed like a terrible matchup, they were like ramping into their Omnath and then playing multiple lands, so... Even worse. Right, yeah, we just weren't going to get that one. Um, but I discussed a, a change where I play an extra land. I think it really benefits you in the in the four-color matchup, and um, I think Burn's in a great spot right now. The Cascade matchups are, are great. The, the Merc Tide matchup's great. You're pretty good at beating up on
0: like the other random chaff that people will show up with in modern tournaments. Burn is quite... It's a lot of time alongside Throne the... Format police. If things get too out of control, if people try to play either two green as four-color dust or try to play two combo as living and dust, they just get punished because you are either not interacting correctly with my clock or you're not interacting correctly with my bolts. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's was... a great police. Yeah,
1: so that was wonderful. And my legacy player had the... I don't know if you would call it a true brew on the weekend, but it was the most inventive decklist. Um, he was playing Blue Black Reanimator there were, there was no red mana in his deck. They have the blue mana so that they can go into show-and-tell out of the sideboard and, like, not really be messing up their mana. And then okay. he also had um, bayous for carpet in his deck. Um, okay. And carpet of flowers was amazing all weekend. Just two really good carpet of flower stories that I want to share. Um, they don't even involve reanimating anything, but in one game he has three carpets in play goes to his main phase he makes nine mana with his opponents (laughs) (laughs) three islands yep um he hard casts gristlebrand and is still able to pay for his opponents two dazes because of his floating mana and lands that he has in play that's not
0: a fair game that's not that's not how magic works You don't hurt as around in two days on turn like, 5 I He was That's actually like turn four or five. That's super early as well because it's only nine mana. Mm hmm. Yep. And then. That's the, beautiful. Yeah.
1: The other one was two carpets in play, make four white mana, pitch cast a uh, Grief or an Unmask, take opponent's Force of Will, use three lands and the white mana floating to cast Sarah's Emissary, and name creature. And just like, opponent had zero outs. Won the game from there. That's insane. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm taking from this. Hardcast Crystal Run be a triple carpet of flowers. That's clearly the way Match Legacy was intended to be played. I guess so, you know? Tell me about your matchups. My matchups? Hmm.
1: Well, like I said, I was 3-4 against um, the 4-color deck. I think that switching the land for the burn spell and just like consistently hitting land drops is pretty important in that match and I think I could have been like 4-3 or even 5-2 on the day against them um, had I had that change. And then other than that, the one loss to the 60 card Omnath deck. Weird um, Omnath. Yes, that I don't think is ever really a winnable matchup for burn. Like that's That's,
0: you know. Open and blink, true bomb now.
1: Yes. um, Yoggmoth at one point, I beat Living End at one point. Creativity. Oh my gosh. I didn't play Murktide until the semifinals, which I was pretty upset about. That was like a matchup that I thought would be a little more popular that I wanted to face on the day. And what was the finals? The finals, um, Ross was playing um, Blue-Red Breach in the finals, which is a wonderful burn matchup. Eidolon's pretty good. They don't have (laughs) a glut of interaction for all your cheap stuff. And then post-board, like, Roiling Vortex was amazing all weekend,
0: and then also just shuts off the Breach grinding station. Um, Yeah, it destroys that deck. I remember playing that deck because of Shiggy Wiggy. he would just ask me to play it. (laughs) And like, I will play a few rounds, we'll figure out the Cyber and such, and Burn felt unwinnable.
1: Yeah, you just can't
0: do it. Like, I, I really don't don't think you can.
1: I-, I love that deck too, I've played it a lot, and like, something that makes me not show up to it at my modern weeklies is that there's always so much burn because it's just like the budget deck that people are buying, and
0: you can't buy <laughs> a win. You can't do it. Yeah, just walk vo- 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 your Emory into Eidolon, into Concession, it's how it goes. <laughs> That's it, yep. Besides that, well, first of all, congrats on congrats on the two-day tournament win, because immediately when a tournament gets to two days, it just becomes a lot tougher just to even think about it.
1: Absolutely, and, and like I said, it was surreal. Like I, I haven't gotten to play in a two-day event yet. It's something I've been chasing for a pretty long time. As we're going through the weekend, there's just like surreal experience after surreal experience because like we locked day two, we at six and zero, we haven't lost a match. We we lost our first match after lock- locking day two, um, and then we we only dropped one match on day one. So we go into day two at seven one and the third seeded team we lose round one and then do not drop another match for the rest of the day and get to draw into second seed and only have to play two of our elimination matches. Unbelievable. Right. So like, I, yeah, like I, I don't have really another word for it other than surreal and I'm so, I'm so, like, I just feel so blessed, you know, to be here and, like, everyone is congratulating my whole team, us, the, like, the effort that we've put in and
0: it just feels so good to have it be paid off. I mean, that's the, the Magic community tends to be extremely, I don't know the word in English, like, uh, supportive, supportive Mm. of each other rather than competitive. Absolutely. And that's, like, a beautiful aspect of it. Yeah. So yeah, it leads to this: to hearing people telling us their experience about their first two-day tournament that they absolutely crushed. And tell me, what how do you feel about modern nowadays? Like, if you had to describe the format, we know format is likely changing a tiny bit, or a tiny, or more than a tiny bit in like four days. I think Dominaria United will be live in MTGO by first of uh, first September. And I had to check my calendar because I don't know if August has thirty-one days. So it's five days from now. But before that, how have you been feeling it?
1: I hmm. I really enjoy my games of modern. Okay. Uh, like I'm, I'm very specifically my games of modern. I don't necessarily enjoy thinking about deck building. You know, I we brought up that like the Merktide. I've played a, a decent amount of Merktide, and like the the four color matchup is just not not really feasible. Um, and 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 it just kind of sets up this very. Challenging nature of the format, where like there's clearly this like extremely powerful deck, one of the best decks, but also that like loses to the more combo-y aspect of the format, where like Merktide's very good, and then like you should be able to beat your Mer- build your Merktide deck to be able to beat the combo decks, and also like have a chance against the other value-oriented mid-range decks, right? But it's just like you can't do it, and so it leads to like a lot of I don't know concessions in deck building. Um, that I don't think are enjoyable, but once you get past making those decisions, and I'm playing the the games of Modern, I love the decisions I'm making. The games I'm actually playing against opponents that really know what their deck, are doing, and deck is doing, and we, you know, playing around things, the whole game,
0: even free spells and things. It... So, what you're saying, if I could try to extrapolate is, you think the format has been, like, softly cracked, So there's not much to, like, innovate in it, but it's an enjoyable crack. Like, it has been sold in an enjoyable way, as to say. Games are enjoyable, but the study of the format and the inventions of it not so much.
1: Agreed, yeah, for sure. And maybe to, like, expand on that a little bit more... It's been brought up that, like, Modern has recently become, like, MH2, kind of, like, block-constructed, and that's... I-, I definitely feel that way. I, uh, my Burn deck doesn't have any MH2 cards in it, but...
0: Um. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Wait, where is Rolling Bordeaux from?
1: Uh, Xenocar Rising? Really? I think so. I was, I was sure it was... M- MH? It's got a lot of text on it, so if it ends up being an Horizon set, I won't be surprised, but... Syndica Rising, you're right.
0: Wait, Board has zero cards from MH?
1: Zero. Sometimes they play some Sanctifier index, but I had Torn script Crypt in my board.
0: Yeah, yeah, and even then it's just, like, such a non-relevant card. Uh-huh. Well, for some reason I was... 99% sure for um rolling water was from Mother islands. It has so much text. It does. It does. Like the free spells clause feels like a perfect card to come in the same set as solitude and fury and such. Mhm. It for makes sure. perfect sense. But yeah, it seems like you are playing anti modern islands should
1: So about MH2 and like being block constructed, the format at this point can feel manufactured. Like okay. the, the deck building and kind of like, here's your value-oriented mid-range deck, here's what you're playing. If you like that, that's prob- you can have it. right, yeah. And then you have your spells aggro deck burn, you have your combo decks, you even have your like mid rangey combo deck with like crashing footfalls, you have your straight mid-range deck with Merktide Regent, um, and even some of the like scam decks that are popping up.
0: But Well, Dandingo won today's tournament. With a teno finish, with drag the scam.
1: Wow, is that even two weeks in a row? I I kind of feel it like... it might be. Yeah, yeah, that's quite impressive. So maybe maybe a couple more options in mid range than than we might have thought, but still very like deck building streamline. Yes, exactly, streamlining your choices. I've heard the comparison that like Pioneer can feel like Modern was about five years ago, where we're like ships passing in the night, and I. I don't have a lot of experience with legacy, but when I look at the modern format right now, it looks like legacy might have like four or five years ago where there are these strategies that you have to make the choices that you make in deck building. But then once you're playing your games, they all do their very powerful things that allow them to have stake in every game that they find themselves in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. I think the format is a bit too sold for brewing. Like, you can still get your tier two brews, but you're not going to crack the top. I mean, there have been some innovations. Four Color has went from normal Four Color to, for example, it has gone to Traverse, to Elemental versions, and it jumps around. But you're not going to find a deck that just shocks you all of a sudden. Creativity made a bit of a resurgence in the past couple of weeks, and it went from a non-existent deck to an actual like threat in the format, which I loved. Even if I hate playing against the deck, it was like a breath of fresh air.
1: Agreed, and the deck's good. The deck has good matchups across the format, and I don't think Burns a great one. Um, It was no, no, not said, one of my wins on the weekend, but but yeah, you you have good good matchups that that are spread. And
0: I have no idea how that matchup is against Bolt. I don't know if you have any experience on it. Like Goblin Mines is super annoying.
1: Dwarven Mines very annoying. I have had a lot of success holding up Counterspell, that's usually just like a difficult thing for them to deal with, um, and like, Merktide's the way that you win, but if they ever put an Archon in play, that's a very difficult card to play through, especially if you don't have the Unholy Heat.
0: Yeah, and even if you do, it's a 4 for 1, like, this card draws Sacrifice, and not even included the fact that if you you count the life gain as any sort of card advantage, it gets closer to a 5 for 1. Absolutely. So, that's insane. Also, yeah, you were right. Yandingo got second with Ragnos Midrange two weeks ago. So, it was second two weeks ago and a win this time. And I think it was the Magus with the Bluntmon main decks. Beautiful decklist. It is, it is. And he plays pretty cards, too. Knight's Whisper. <laughs> Modern staple, Night's Whisper. Like, everything else about the deck just makes sense, right? For Ragavan, Doustie Whitewalker, Croxa, pa- Season, Grief, Fury. The one of Lily of the Vale is because he's a boomer, I won't accept any other explanation. <coughs> no one below the age of 30 would play Lily of the Vale. Because we have learned better. Once you get slapped by Oko, enough times when you are young, you never think about Lily. You just get traumatized by the sheer power level. You cannot look below that. But
1: it's about to be reprinted, Emi, come on! People it's gonna, gonna crack Pioneer!
0: It. <laughs> it's gonna see so much play, everybody! Lily's there and has long been there, but yeah, in Pioneer mm-hmm. it may have a tiny bit of other solutions. Lightning Maybe. Balls, Malachy Rivers, Spike Field Hazard, Thoughtseize and Dying Malice, One of Night's Whisper, Three Terminate, One of Colagan's Command, Two Blood Moon, Two Fable. Weird numbers, but can't judge the results. 2nd into 1st, into a 3-1 in a preliminary all in the same week, plus a 5-0. It's not something you can argue against. Like, not at all. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, congrats on Young Dingo. Amazing results. And let me ask you a tiny bit about how you have been feeling about Pioneer as well, because you said that you also have quite a bit of experience on the format.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. So, I love Pioneer. A lot of people... I mentioned before they compared it to modern from like four or five years ago, and that's when I learned, really, really got into the whole format. I just love playing linear decks into other linear decks. I'm not sure like like it's great at this point. I really like attacking with Adeline. if I was like still trying to get my <laughs> RCQ um invite, that's what I would be doing um, Adeline
0: Adeline. Motor-wide. Like, responsible Adeline or Faralene? Adeline? Like, do you have your voice?
1: I'd be responsible right now because I'd be trying to get the invite.
0: <laughs> but but with, now that you have the invite, you can be irresponsible and try to cocoa into it.
1: Exactly. Right. Perfect. And they're, they're even giving me another human that says all my other creatures get plus one, plus one. Like, I've got to try that out. Which one? The King Darien, the. What's his number?
0: Like the 48? Oh, or something? yeah, 3 mana. That the one that. Doesn't pop. No, the selfless effect is only on tokens. Yes. King Darien, the
1: 49? Uh, sure. No. If that's the number, I believe you. <laughs> no, no,
0: I'm just. I'm randomly hitting numbers out of my ass. <laughs> Don't ever take my word for granted unless I'm telling you to take it for granted. I, I spew more random nonsense than coherence.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I I really, I don't care about the token text on that card, I just care yeah. that it is making my humans bigger, and I am attacking with them.
0: But you don't have the three mana white one that does white, yeah, but paying for triple white is impossible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And this is better, even then. What was the name of that? I, I'm looking at the spoilers and can't freaking find it. When was it spoiled? It was the first day. It has to be one of the first. Or I'm just a stupid... O- that name is so easy to see, why can't I find it? So also about uh, talking about dominaria, any cards you're excited about? The thing that's popping
1: into my head is I'd really like to set up Joda, the new five color Joda, in um like a Nivtolite shell. I I really love nivtalite. Um, there's a local player that I'm pretty close with that I think have, has done some pretty innovative deck building with niv to light and i think the really cool thing that joda allows you to do is while joda's in play and you cast your niv it um you can set up exactly cascading into either kalidus or the
0: new kalidus sapperling card oh because it, 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 it okay i didn't i didn't realize when i really that it hit a legendary right yeah okay it only hits the legendary cards and you don't play that many 4-drop legendaries. I mean, you cannot—you have to make a 100% sure you're not trying Oath of Nisa. Like, I can see that happening, like, when people create you <laughs> into a grass cage. I can really see someone showing Curse and hitting Oath of Nisa. I mean, like, wait, this isn't Kalitas? That would be a little
1: unfortunate. Gotta make sure that one's not on your deck. But with some attention to your building, I, you, you can do uh, exactly, like just making sure that okay. you have a Kaletis in play all the time, which I think is great. Even Yorion triggers the...
0: Yeah, Yorion triggers the Yorda
1: Gigantha, even? Either either one of the... Uh,
0: yeah, and Gigantha play. is, is playable in the Pioneer ver- version, while Yorion is playing in the modern one. But I have not done enough testing as I would like in Pioneer. Uh, like, in Pioneer, I'm mostly just playing weird or sub-Yorion builds, and I, I'm super excited for Enigmatic with... And um, Leyland conversions? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I'm super excited for that. And um, besides Yoda, anything else? Leyland binding, not Leyland conversions. Anything else you would like to see, like for any decks in particular? Any huge upgrades? Um the lords are all really cool. I brought up being an aggro player.
1: Anytime you can give me to attack with some tribal creatures. Oh, this red defiler. I'm hoping it's cool. Um okay. ends, up, ends up being good. The idea that I floated with a couple friends today was just, like, tons of one-drops, and then, like, Defiler plus Experimental Frenzy, and then, <laughs> yeah, you're just trying to, like, go off and, like, play all of your
0: things and win in, like, one or two turns. While you're just being literally everything. Yeah! Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited for the white one because my first, like, when I first started playing Magic, I started with Taxes, and the only time I ever played Standard in my life was during that cycle post Ixalan, where this was this weird Azorius that was actually mono white Monument of Oketra deck with Mentor of the Meek, that all it did was crash control. Because you played a million 1 1s at Chuchus that ETB'd something like draw a card. The deck was incapable of winning, besides making 1 1s at Chuchus, but it played Dusk Till Dawn. Like the card with. So you just paid 6 mana in the late game and literally returned your whole graveyard to your hand. And your opponent had to, like. And you always kept your opponent on their toes with that. So it was a beautiful, crappy deck that I'm really happy to replay with the new. With with the new Defiler. White Defiler seems like something fun for it. White Defiler plus Monument plus Double Core Sky Fisher goes semi infinite. What else do you need? Nothing. I- I'm very surprised
1: that they printed something like the Defiler Cycle, where you're getting like a-, a universal cost reduction on all of your things. Like, it just seems like such not the magic that they would have printed, but I also like how smart it is that it-, it only applies to once to each of your spells, and it also only applies to permanent spells.
0: They were pretty smart in realizing that. A, people are going to ask for something related to Phyrexian mana once we're getting back to Phyrexia and everything related to it as now. And also, making sure they know they're, that's going to be seen and getting ready to nerf that. Like, making sure that the Phyrexian mana is weak. I'm slightly scared because of Karn Silex, which means maybe more Phyrexian mana is coming and that's like a that's like a <laughs> warning because of the part that says you cannot pay life to cast spells Uh uh-huh like that's like that's a threatening you know like just threatening, staring you without doing nothing, menacingly staring at you without doing anything i'm not scared yet i'm just prepared to be scared agreed so hope it's nothing more than that i'm super excited about dominaria actually super happy it also comes out in like four days we were complaining a few months ago that like they made a pre-release release after MT- and before MTCO like for only two sets. Like remember when it, like they changed it for a while? Yeah. They used to make it so it was like at, during years it was first in MTGO, then on pre-release during the quarantine. They they they, they did the they way around for like two sets and now they're going back to first in arena and MTGO. Maybe they lost money because less people were paying for the arena drafts. Hmm. That's the only explanation I can find.
1: I know I really, like, wanted them to continue the releasing them all at the same time. I, I like getting in on the bottom floor and being able to, like, judge the cards and purchase them maybe before anyone has played with the cards. And when you let them out online, everybody gets to touch them first, and then they affect the prices. And
0: I mean, it really works for me, because pre-releases here are worth a shit ton, so I'm pretty happy that I don't have to play them. I like I can first test it if I'm gonna enjoy it, because for example I played a new campaign at very least and it was during the very release I realized that playing any white deck that wasn't banned was completely terrible, like Esper sacks. And that was mid-round two playing Esper. So I just learned that info that too late and too expensively for my own liking. So getting a getting a sheer look at first and hearing what people say tends to be quite good. Besides all of that, we're coming with Dominaria, which I'm like everybody's super happy, about a lot of cards. Great expansion, great set. The other day, they sh- they were showing pictures of what the original sagas were gonna be. It seems they were designed by Garfield during the first do- during the previous Dominaria. Like the last visit to Dominaria, when Garfield was working on that set, he made the sketch of what sagas became. Interesting. It was like this weird concept that creatures dying or such advance the card, and when it reaches a certain amount of steps, it would trigger and sacrifice. Sort of like the. The enchantments from I think it's original Card or Inistra that sacrifice when you get an X amount of counters on them. Like the one that ramps, the one that makes a zombie and such. Mm -hmm, It was like a really similar Yeah, those ones. It was a really similar concept at first. That just evolved into something else. Finally, we have some Deck of the Weeks, like some specific decks we choose just to discuss here. And yours is a beautiful, beautiful pioneer (laughs) shank.
1: Well, thank you. It came. I, I found it on Twitter. Um, it's
0: likely by Donkey. This is like a Donkin deck.
1: I think you're right. I'm. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I. I just really love this I- idea from when I saw it. But we're we're paying five mana for Invoke Justice, specifically to put Aurelia the Warleader back in play, and at minimum. Um, with the Invoke, then you're hitting your opponent for 14 damage in the air over your two
0: combats, and that's if you don't have anything else in play. Yeah, so tell people about the deck it, because a lot of people are not going to see this beautiful screenshot.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So the early plays um, all allow you to discard cards um, or are like some other sort of modality or value beyond that. So there's Voldaren Epicure, Cathartic Pyre, um, which Cathartic Pyre is one in a red for an instant. It can deal three damage to a creature. I believe it can also target planeswalkers. Um, or the other mode is discard up to two cards and then draw that many cards. And then um, Rafine's Informant, the 2 1 that enters the battlefield and connives. The three drops are Fiery Tempers, um, Storm Kirk Occultist, which is a beautiful madness card. I I'm, I'm not sure which set it's from. It's been reprinted so many times, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> but it's a 3-mana three 3-2. Three um, it has Madness for 2, just a single red both times. Um, and it has Trample, and then whenever it deals combat damage to an opponent, you exile the top card of your library and can cast it until the end of your turn.
0: Let me check that. I think it does. Like, that brings a bell. It's from Crimson Bow. 3-mana three 3-2, three Trample. Exactly. You may Sweet. play that card until the end of turn. Nailed and it's And too, 2. So Nailed mostly, it. this is, like, you're not playing this for its effect, right? You're playing this because it's a good payoff when you're discarding stuff.
1: Yep, yep. Also functions well with additional combats, um, if you get to connect twice. <laughs> and um, it's a trample body for your counters, too.
0: Okay, yeah, because you're just distributing 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters when you resolve your invoke. Yep. What's the name of this invoke, Invokes Justice. So it's calamity, prejudice, and justice? Is there a blue in this cycle? The No, right? The blue one, there is a
1: blue one. It's gain control of something, untap it. I'm not going to remember what the word is, though. The black ones invoke despair, the green ones invoke yeah. the ancients, and then, like you said, the red one, as as the Faithless bring know.
0: It's I was looking for Invoke, and there's a card, that's, and you have Invoke Pressure, is the card that got deleted from magic at four blues which is weirdly on cycle! <laughs> that's all i want to say about that card, because I don't wanna talk about that card but why is it so on cycle with the four <laughs> blue in its cost? <sighs> yeah, Invoke the winds, four blue and a colorless gain control of target artifact or creature and tap it I have never even seen this card like I didn't even know it existed. That's how little I care about this one. It's great and limited. It's very limited. Five mana, steal a creature. It's great and limited. Yeah. Just steal your opponent's bomb. Yes. And yeah. This is a beautiful pile, and you also said there's more a bit more of a mid range list than this one. Like this is more all in combo. Right. No, sorry. This was like the more mid range, and you have like more combo, like this card into hollow one.
1: Right. Right. So there was a there was another iteration that I saw with a learn package with like um, professor of symbology, um, hollow one, like you said. Both of them looked good. I think there were, like, a few more even aggressive rummaging effects on the Pay Off Your Hollow ones, and I think it makes sense that that list would be way better at benefiting from the extra combats that you get with War Leader and extra yeah. places to put your counters on Justice.
0: I think what would be really interesting when looking at the deck is understanding how often you win. Like, I would rather play the more mid-range version if I find that when I resolve the world leader, I'm winning regardless of which version I'm playing, right? Like, if I'm winning with random 3-2s or a Baldurian Epicure, then I would rather play these. However, if I know I need more creatures, then I can consider the other one. Agreed, I like that. Also, I love the one of win in case... Because sometimes <laughs> you don't find Aurelia, so you just re- re- reanimate a new game with your invoke justice and win the game.
1: The other card that the other iteration had was um, the Saga Restoration
0: of Iganjo. The three mana one, right? That use this card, and then you get back a two drop.
1: Yes. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. That the bare minimum. Like I, I read that card, and it can be a ramp um, card because it gets it also like gets you a planes um, off yeah. of it, and then it attacks and makes extra one ones. And
0: yeah, and, and then so it's a discard outlet that then sometimes you get back something like a Raffin's informant. So that's sweet absolutely. And then you just get transformed into like a really bad brimas. <laughs> Actually it's like regular brimas just doesn't make a 1-1 on blocks. Which is bad brimas because brimas. Right right but it had a front side so. Yeah exactly so beautifully just this build. I went for something a bit more modern but also Boros colors but not because of the decklist itself. So what I chose was a, f- a Boros stoneforge. This is something that has seen some results already played by Aspiring Spike. And um, the Champion into force with Dragabans and such. Everybody knows the deck, right? Fervent Champion plus Swords plus Bolt Solitude and Esper Sentinel Swords. However, just to show how much degeneracy has been in the format lately, this deck is playing two containment priests in the main deck. Wow. And I have no and it has zeros like, it's not that the person is playing this with, like, Flicker whisper or such, right? Like, at least it's, like, a minor synergy that might transform your spells into a removal spell. No, no, this is just straight-up Containment Priest with no upside. Just featuring the art 2 of existing. So that made me ponder, is Containment Priest... So, there's... Containment Priest is backed currently on DGO, where, for example, let's say you bounce your Containment Priest and you're board with Yorion... Technically, everything should return because the priest is not there, right? okay? It doesn't everything gets exiled, huh? so I'm wondering, is it bugged with living in as well, and if it's in the graveyard, nothing returns like like maybe maybe MTGO
1: just checks if containment priest has ever been in the battlefield at all. No, I think it checks
0: it checks if it's on the battlefield before like before it enters, it checks if it should be in the battlefield. Okay. And because it's entering, it says it is. I see. And it stops itself and everything else from entering. I see, I see. So I think that's how it works with Tyrion. The question is, does it also work with Living End? Because it shouldn't stop Living End, but maybe it does. MTGO, but, just a different game going on. Just a different <laughs> game. Also, fun fact. Um, Buu and Minsk, alongside the three-mana enchantment for Legacy, Baden Hex are entering MTGO, according to messages by the, Twitter, by the MTGO Twitter.
1: Where they're officially adding it?
0: Yeah, that's. I'm awesome. sorry, I'm not. It's not 100 percent official. This was a message that was. This was a reply to some complaints by the Mashik Twitter. So it's like sort of official. There just wasn't like an official re- like release, right? Like an official like got it, got paper. It. We just
1: don't know when exactly or how this they're
0: going to do week. it. They next week. Okay. Okay. So, Maddening Hex and Minscambu, I think, are the two greatest ones, because they're like two cards that should see play, the mono-red prison deck in Legacy has been making a lot of waves, it seems like a tier deck, and for anyone that doesn't know what Maddening Hex does, it's an aura whenever an opponent has a non creature spell roll a d6, lose life equal to that cost, and then move it to another random opponent, which means the same guy because you're playing 1v1. So, every spell they play damages, in average, three and a half points of damage. Not three, Three and a half, because if we did one and six, I had this chat a few too many times. <laughs> so, and that's a lot. That's like a super idol on, on an aura.
1: Yeah, I, I was really happy that that card was not in play in, like, most of my friends' legacy games during the team events, but I did really enjoy watching past the legacy rounds that had it in play and just watching them roll their dice, like, oh, I took five. Yep,
0: couldn't be. that. Can you imagine playing... Sh- I can imagine, like playing Storm, you start your turn at twenty life, and all you gotta do is get your Storm ten, and you start rolling. Sort of the I don't know if you've ever seen the game with the Fear Visions. No, this is Fear Visions. What's the Storm card that shows cards from so your opponent's hand and damages them equal to the cost? Um, Ignite Memories. Ignite Memories. The Nassif game with the with Ignite Memories, like a really old top eight game.
1: Yeah, where you're rolling to see which card you're flipping.
0: Yeah, but Nasif is like at ten with a six drop in hand and a four drop and survives seven triggers. Jeez! And like just hitting a just hitting a one drop like six times. <laughs> it's an insane game. If you have the chance, just to watch it. If you look like that, you're gonna find it. Like just look like see Nasif and the name and ignite memories, and you're gonna find it on YouTube. Awesome. Amazing game. Awesome. And also Misk and, Boo. and Misk is an absurd planeswalker. This is in playing Le- in Cyborg of Legacy. Of Legacy Elf and, a, and like a four-color control build, using this as a win card.
1: Yes, it was one of my Legacy players' only losses
0: on the weekend, going <laughs> twelve and three, Just losing. Getting the crushed by Minsk. Yep, card is insane. But yeah, so expecting next week, you will see them with some hope. I'm really hoping for it because beautiful cards, and I really hate when the format doesn't align. Like this is more, I don't care about the cards themselves; I care about about the significance of playable cards not being on MTGO. I have the same problem on Popper, where this is, there's this one card from Legends called Remove Enchantments. I'm not going to explain what the card does. it has over nine lines of text. Like, it bounces all auras, if opponent attacks with a creature, destroy all their auras, bounce all your enchantments. Too much text. But it isn't on MTGO. And there's like a whole archetype that could exist for me that it just doesn't. And you, you think it'd just
1: be so easy to, like, code one card and put it on the
0: game app, where we play our game, but evidently... No, there's this problem. Apparently the NDCO has been so important in its programming, I'm gonna tell you something that happened a few years ago before I fixed it. Ley lines had no programming on its own, because they didn't have a way to code them, in that the effect got started before the game, so what they did was every single card was coded around having a ley line. So the code of every card had, in addition to its code... If Layla of Santity can go face, if like Layla go to the graveyard, if blue Layla and it has flash. When your program in- is so inbred that it leads to stuff like that, maybe adding a single card is not as easy as we think. <laughs> I know that has been fixed now, that was a lot of years ago, like like a decade, but it sort of shows the situation of what happens when you just go for the solution that leads to the fastest way out. And finally, to end the day, I have a slight recap flashback on our Resortian Belief monthly project, which is the results from our beautiful, beautiful man, Zack, also known as Mana Simbal, when he got crushed while playing the version of Resortian Belief with a lot of Omens and Seals. We're blaming a tiny bit of it on Zack not remembering how to play the game, and that's going to be the excuse to protect my deck. <laughs> Zack, I love you. Don't take it on me. So, round one against Etron. he went into spreading spread by himself enough time a- for a double big... For a double Bring Should Light turn that won came the game immediately. Like, Resortion Belief with Bring Should Light just gets you so much value. Game 2 got crushed by Thornot Seer into Smasher into like turn 5 with a Scavenger Grounds to get rid of his graveyard. However, on the game 3, he won with a Mulligan to 6. He managed to survive the double Thorn Seer just to be completely devastated by the Kalis, which completely locked him out of the game. Round two, he wins by opponent conceding after playing at mind because he had a experience his opponent hadn't considered. <laughs> and opponent didn't concede the game, opponent concede the match. So that was I think Zacks' only game for this league. Only win. <laughs> Round three, he faces Young Moth, crushed due to mana screw, in ch- and game two, Thotsy Thotsy's to rag into the one of scavenging goose in the opening hand. What can you do? And as leaving end, he won with a Kyora Beast the Sea Gold Hardcast. So after the long game, he just got an 8 8 Hexproof and stole an opponent's creature to win the game. However, on game 2 and 3, Force of Negation plus Pilot Outburst is bound to doom you into oblivion. Finally, losing round 5 to Mono Blue Tron. Which is just, come on, not <laughs> Mono Blue Tron. I mean, yeah, it has to be a I ha- I don't see a range like deck ever reading Modern Blue Throne, especially if you're relying on zero mana spells because and, in addition to having all the cheap counters, they also have Kalis. So you're like so screwed.
1: Yep. And they even have like free interaction, like all of the other
0: modern decks get at this point. Like, like every single modern deck. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so he says that do you have any ideas for Search and Belief, any of the deck lists you saw that you like the most? That is so far away from my type of card. <laughs> okay okay i get it that happens
1: <laughs> i yeah i i wish if if somebody handed me their resurgent belief deck i'd love to give it take it for a spin you know like I, i'd probably <laughs> pick my favorite from the discord here but
0: whew. yeah yeah but not only are expert is to be around absolutely all right so with that being said anything you would like to add cameron the stage is yours. Uh, the stage is mine, man. Well,
1: absolutely shout out to my teammates, Adam Sensenegh and um, Chase Martin. They were wonderful the whole weekend. There's nothing better than winning with your friends, and we all absolutely kept each other's heads in the game, And and there's no way that we would have been winning without each one of us, so...
0: Also, great strategy having such a fast deck in the middle seat, allowing you to really focus on what your opponents and what your partners are doing during the game. Like, allowing you to give a helping hand when needed, because you're like you are on burn. After minute six of the game, you're mostly playing with your teammates. Right.
1: Yep. Definitely, yeah, it gets to that quickly. I will be um casting uh I'm excited to be yeah commentating for a two k that will be going on at my local shop, the shop that I write for al central games um they'll have a stream up next week on Saturday. they have a pioneer r c q going on, and I'll be casting that with some of my teammates, so if you wanna see me there, you can um check us out. I believe it would just be the al central games um twitch channel, and um other than that. My Twitter handle is at Sometimes I Scry. That's,
0: that's where I'll be. Exactly. So, at Sometimes I to find her on Twitter. You can find her in our Discord. You can get her Discord as well if you want. And for everybody that wants to talk about burn, some good old matches, you can always share on our Patreon where you will find beautiful people such as Cameron discussing the game. Absolutely. It's a great place to be. ACC Con Baltimore Winners Report. And yeah, thanks so much Cameron for joining me. Hope you enjoyed being with us. With us. I'm, I, I used to say with us because I never this on my own. That made a terrible decision, releasing me from the leash. That's all I'm going to say. Emmy, you're wonderful. You did a great job. It was so much fun. Yay! Yay! I got released from the basement. Now we're going to go back. <laughs> now I'm going to go back to the basement and edit. Uh, thanks so much for being... Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, thanks a lot. Hope everybody also enjoyed. And hope to see everybody on Friday where the first of a huge amount of brews are going to coming up. If I'm not mistaken, by Friday, the set might have released. So we're going to, I think it releases on Thursday. So we might start to see the first Himmering Lights of Bruce. And by Monday, you're going to have full-fledged Bruce untested. So only one week away. Can't wait. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about our latest brews, you can support us via Patreon. This will not only grant you immediate access to our Discord, where you can find our friendless brewers alongside an army of mind like players, but also allow you to participate in the monthly project as you help us decide which card to brew with each month. Finally, remember to tune in on Friday, as more than done, go deep to Dominaria United and start to brewing with likely the best card of the set, Leyland Binding. Hope you enjoy the show and have a nice night.